Chapter Fifty Seven of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter Fifty Seven this is that happy morn that day long-wished day of all my life so dark if cruel stars have not my ruin sworn and fates my hopes betray which purely white deserves an everlasting diamond should it mark he has not however gone three yards down the corridor when the door is again opened and lady baltimore's voice calls after him baltimore her tone is sharp high agonized the tone of one strung to the highest pitch of despair it startles him he turns to look at her she is standing framed in by the doorway and one hand is grasping the woodwork with a hold so firm that the knuckles are showing white with the other hand she beckons him to approach her he obeys her he is even so frightened at the strange gray look in her face that he draws her bodily into the room again shutting the door with a pressure of the hand he can best spare what is it says he looking down at her she has managed to so far overcome the faintness that has been threatening her as to shake him off and stand free leaning against a chair behind her don't go says she hoarsely it is impossible to misunderstand her meaning it has nothing whatever to do with his interview with the lawyer waiting so patiently down below but with the final wandering of his into regions unknown she is as white as death how is this isabel asks he he is as white as she is now do you know what you are saying this is a moment of excitement you do not comprehend what your words mean stay stay for his sake is that all says he eyes searching hers for mine then the words seem to scorch her she covers her face with her hands and stands before him stricken dumb miserable confessed for yours he goes closer to her and ventures to take her hand it is cold cold as death his is burning you have given a reason for my staying indeed says he but what is the meaning of it this cried she throwing up her head and showing him her shamed and grief-stricken face I am a coward in spite of everything I would not have you go so far I see I understand he sighs heavily and yet that story was a foul lie it is all that stands between us Isabel is it not so but you will not believe there is a long silence during which neither of them stirs they seem wrapped in thought in silence he still holding her hand if it was a lie 
says she at last, breaking the quiet around them by an effort, would you so far forgive my distrust of you as to be holding my hand like this? Yes, what is there I would not forgive you, says he, and it was a lie. Cyril, cries she in great agitation, take care, it is a last moment. Do you dare to tell me that still? Supposing your story to be true, and mine, that woman's, false, how would it be between us then? As it was in the first good old time when we were married. You could forgive the wrong I have done you all these years, supposing everything all? Ah! This sound seems crushed out of her. She steps backward, and a dry sob breaks from her. What is it? asks he quickly. Oh, that I could, that I dared, believe, says she. You would have proofs, says he, coldly, resigning her hand. My word is not enough. You might love me, did I prove worthy. Your love is not strong enough to endure the pang of distrust. Was ever real love so poor a thing as that? However, you shall have them. What? asks she, raising her head. The proofs you desire, responds he, icily. That woman, your friend, the immaculate one, died the day before yesterday. What? you never heard, and you and she? She was nothing to me, says Lady Baltimore, nothing since. The day she reviled me, and yet, with a most joyous laugh, for the sake of a woman you cared so little about that even her death has not caused you pang, you severed the tie that should have been the closest to you on earth? Well, she is dead. Heaven rest her soul, as the peasants say. She wrote me a letter on her bed of death. Yes, eagerly. You still doubt, says he with a stern glance at her. So be it. You shall see the letter, though how will you satisfy you? For you can always gratify your desire for suspicion by regarding it as a forgery. The woman herself is dead. So, of course, there is no one to contradict. Do think this all out, says he, with a contemptuous laugh, before you commit yourself to a fresh belief in me. You see, I give you every chance. To such a variable Thomas, in petticoats, every road should be laid upon open. Now, tauntingly, will you wait here whilst I bring the proof? He is gazing at her in a heartbroken sort of way. Is it the end? Is it all really over? There had been a faint flicker of the dying candle, a tiny glare, and now for all time is it to be darkness? As for her, ever since he had let her hand go, she had stood with bent head looking at it. He had taken it, he had let it go, there seemed to be a promise of heaven. Was it a false one? She is silent, and Baltimore, who had hoped for one word of trust, a belief, 
makes a gesture of despair. I will bring you the letter, he says, moving toward the door. When he does bring it, when she had read it and satisfied herself of the loyalty so long doubted, where, he asks himself, will they too be then, further apart than ever? He has forgiven a great deal, much more than this, and yet, strange human nature, he knows if he once leaves the room and her presence now, he will never return again. The letter she will see, but him, never. The door is open. He has almost crossed the threshold. Once again her voice recalls him. Once again he looks back. She is holding out her arms to him. Cyril, Cyril, she cried. I believe you. She staggers toward him. Mercifully the fountain of her tears breaks loose. She flings herself into his willing arms and sobs out a whole world of grief upon his bosom. It is a cruel moment, yet one fraught with joy as keen as sorrow, a fire of anguish out of which both emerge purified, calmed, gladdened. End of chapter 57 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.